Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Brighton Rock Podcast preview episode of the Spurs game. Coming up, the midweek rescheduling of the game postponed earlier this season. And to celebrate it, I've got together with my neighbour, an 82-year-old gentleman by the name of Mike Cotton, who is a lifelong musician. He's worked with some pretty interesting people. He's a Spurs fan as well, so we pop down the local cafe to have a chat. And here is that interview, which forms this preview special. I uh, hope you enjoy. So yes, I'm now joined by my neighbour of 20 years, who's a Spurs fan, Mike Cotton. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. <laughs> you look like you're doing fine yourself. So <laughs> <laughs> Certainly am, especially all, all the more for seeing you. Uh, we're in the local cafe, just pop down the road for a, a little coffee. And um, we're speaking on Monday out of the game against Spurs for the Albion on Wednesday. And we'll talk about the game in a moment. Um, but first of all, we've got to get your background as, as a Spurs fan. Tell us about where it all started for you, where you're from and all that sort of stuff. Well, it started when uh, I was probably about four or five. I, I live in, I was a, not born in time, I was born in Hackney. But uh, oh. in the Salvation Army home, which yeah. I'm sure that most of the kids of uh, my age around that area was born in the same place. <laughs> um, and... Uh, I, I knew about this with the ground down the road because my father was uh, in the home guard at the time and uh, he was the captain of the home guard team. And somewhere lurking at home, I got a picture of him on the Spurs ground and <laughs> captain in, you know, the posing photograph of the, the winning uh, home guard side. Anyway, from there on, um, go forward a few years to about 1947 when my Mother's youngest brother was demoted from the army. He was a, a red cap, you know, a, a military policeman. And um, he got home, he's a man's first man. And uh, he took me to a game, which was uh, Coventry City we were playing. I can still remember that, and I can still remember the scores. 2-1, we, we won it. But I never saw any of the goals, because I was down on the ground, and then I saw was the arse of these mob suits, so... <laughs> and he'd lift me up to see them all going back to the centre-line, shaking heads, you know. Brilliant. But I was sold, and uh, my... One of my cousins who lived up around the Keynes Spurs, he was about nine, he was a bit older than me. And um, he said, well, I'll take you to the, to the ground, and we used to go in the boys' enclosure for nine pence, old money. So that's what it was that times eighty or something yeah. in today's money. And uh, that was it, I was sold. Yeah. Then we got promoted 
Every one week in two seasons, and it's amazing. I thought this is alright. <laughs> it's been downhill since. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can only dream of, of my team winning the league, the league. But uh, I mean, that's right because Spurs were in the Southern League at one point, weren't they? Well, probably, but yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was all. That was, that was a good was I, yeah. yeah. You probably gathered from the time scales of golf. Oh yeah, lovely, lovely, great. Thanks very much. Yeah, Perfect, great. Cheers. Yeah, we're just, uh, just getting our coffees in. Um, yeah, you probably gather from the timelines stuff that um, Mike's been talking about here. That um, you go back away. You are actually at the grand age of eighty-two. Is that right? Oh no, you're, you're the age of eighty-two now, aren't you? So born in thirty-nine. So we're so that's the sort of era we're talking about. You're talking about immediate post-war oh, when you were going to games. Yes, yeah. this is yeah. after the Second World War. I mean. Um, what, what was it? Going to football in that era? And, I mean, you mentioned about the prices and not being able to see anything. Obviously, being a young man trying to trying to look between legs or whatever. Um, but what was it like for the football experience, the actual culture of going to the game? Oh well, I mean, we used to walk to the game. I lived about um, oh, a quarter of a mile from the Spurs ground. Yeah. And my infant school and, and junior school was in King's Road, which is immediately opposite Park Lane. Yeah. So I was about 200 yards from Oh, wow, that really is close. Then yeah. when, when I went to senior school, I went to Tottenham Grammar School, which is in White Hart Lane. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't support anybody else, could I? No, no, absolutely. You're probably local. Probably our best ever manager. Yeah. He lived right opposite in Creighton Road, which uh, overlooked our school. Oh, blimey. So yeah. he was living, literally, he was living oh, he right, walkable. Around, yeah. walkable. Yeah. That's Bill Nicholson. Yeah, in a semi-detached house, yeah. you know, nothing flat. <laughs> He's one of the best managers I've ever been. Yeah, yeah, great. And I saw him actually play. He was still playing for the Spurs team, hmm. the number four. And uh, in, uh, in, up to about 1949, I think, he, he hung his boots up and went into the uh, yeah. The other side of it all. Yeah. Um, what, what was it like seeing your team win a league title? For was, was that their first time? I, I don't know the um, history of fans. Yeah, we went straight up from the second division, yeah. which we won, and we won the league. And then it was a slow decline through the 50s until Billy Nick came along in about 58. Yeah. And then started to get the team together. And uh, then the sixties was probably the best I'll ever see a Tottenham team. And uh, they were great. And that's the golden era, isn't it, actually? Well, for us, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we won the cup three times and the league, so. And the first English club to win a European cup, albeit a. The European Cup Winners Cup, or whatever that was. I don't know what they call it now, but. Yeah, who's the change yeah, every minute, don't that's they? Right, yeah. Um, I mean, my, my earliest memories of Spurs are actually when we were in the top division last time around, 79 to 83, and you guys were up there as well. You, in fact, you got up the year before us, we had a bit of a, a crush against you because you guys were that, that oh, Southampton game, do you remember? Yeah, there was a little bit of a draw. That was actually the year before I started yeah. going, so I don't remember that. But I've heard m- much about it since. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we there's more we had more of a grudge against Southampton, I think, because uh, that's well, the right South Coast. South Coast, yeah. yeah. But I mean, so yeah, we followed you up, and you were one of the first teams I remember seeing play at the Goldstone. I think it may have been my second or third game yeah. ever. 
was against you guys. And, uh, you know, we're talking that this era was, by this point, was getting towards the Hoddle era and Archie Ball and all those sort of players. Amazing team then as well. Where, where do they rank for you? Are they sort of the next best after the 60s? Well, I've always thought the best Tottenham teams always had an outstanding centre forward. Yeah. I mean, in, in the uh, early days, we had Len Dukem in, and I started what. He was a Channel Islander and uh, a fabulous, just a natural centre forward, you know, yeah. he had to bump, you know, <laughs> and those the balls were heavy in those days, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. we used to ask the team to send the ball over with the race on the other side, so they didn't have to do it. But then, then in, in the 50s, we, we had various people, but Bobby Smith came along, yeah. and we actually got him from Chelsea, you know, it was just uh, to pick the pocket. And of course Jimmy Greaves came up. I saw Jimmy Greaves first game. Yeah. He was playing for Chelsea. Brilliant cheers, thanks. Yeah. Food has arrived. Thank you, cheers. He was playing for Chelsea and um it was a one one draw and he he equalised for Chelsea in the last minute with dribble. <laughs> right in front of us behind me. I was behind the goal. Yeah. He must have dribbled past everybody twice with <laughs> his pocket in the and uh, two years later, he was a Tottenham player. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bobby Smith, of course, did end up at the Albion eventually. He was at yes, Brighton in the right, later days. Yeah. It's something to do with the rumours are that he had gambling debts all over the place, and we, I yeah, think we had agreed to take them on. And a gambler, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, I think we got him on a, a reasonable wage yeah. um, in the latter part of his career, but because he, he had all these gambling debts to settle, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what we paid. Um, yeah, but one of one of um, our ex-neighbours actually from the neighbouring block, uh, old John, you might remember, who's no longer with us, passed away a few years ago. But he, he, knew, is, yeah. uh, he, he knew, he knew, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so yeah, um, it's uh, interesting times. Um, I'll ask you about the modern era and about the game coming up later on. But I'm going to pause to eat this uh, sandwich, right. and I've got to ask you about what you did for a living as well in a moment, which oh. um, people I think will find interesting. Right, so we've um, seems to be. I've filled myself now with uh, my lunch. <laughs> so we're back. We're back in the room. <laughs> um, so Mike, we were talking about the football side of things. Let's talk about your your backgrounds and what you what you did for a living. Um, well, I, it's rather interesting, I think. <laughs> well, I was an apprentice at uh, a big camp, uh, electrical company, and uh, while I was there, we used to play cards in the lunchtime. Oh. And my other chap said I took the pot. He hadn't got enough money, so. He owed me six quid. So he said, I've got six quid. I said, Well, you owe it to me. He said, I've got a tram kit. <laughs> I said, Oh, that, that'll do. And uh, I got the tram kit, and about a week later he said, I've got the money now. So now I'm keeping the tram kit. Well, <laughs> I'm glad I did because uh, that was about 1958, and uh, I'm still playing bloody thing now. You know, it's uh, 2022. Oh, God. Have you literally got the same trumpet? Oh no. <laughs> that would have been brilliant. <laughs> I've lost a few, trodden on a few, had some stolen, but uh, yeah. they, they do wear out. It's not like a study violence violin. Hmm. I'm sure there's one or two trumpets around that have been used, but uh, hmm. I mean, my, uh, my trumpet is 50 years old, yeah. and I've got three cornets, which are uh, between 30 and 20 years old, so yeah. I haven't got a new horn at all, yeah. and, a, and a frugal horn as well, that's all right. Yeah. And they're all 
So, we said we can get somebody in in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. So, however, we went, we had a week off in Los Angeles before we did the three gigs there. And, uh, Wonderful was, times. Yeah. Brilliant. So, that was it. And I spent the next uh, three years with, with the Kinks, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but the problem for me was that they only do a certain amount of work a year. They never say three weeks in February and the next part was in May when they do a tour and you know it's all touring and I got off of the job here the kind of network called Alka Bill and I spent 18 years with it this is coming Alka Bill yeah, yeah. yeah. just so uh, my uncle's favourite musician actually my recently yeah. departed uncle he's yeah. got to a grand old age of 93 and passed away last year and they had, yeah, they had that playing at uh, his funeral actually, yeah. yeah so he would, he would have loved that story, yeah. Act built. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I did 18 years with him. Yeah. Then I went freelance for about 20 years, but towards the end of that was uh, life, like, you know, we don't know this, but uh, the regular trombic player was of Italian extraction, he was getting a lot of work in Italy. So I more or less did most of his last gig. In fact, I played his very last gig. Yeah. I was on his last gig there. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, so I suppose it's spread over about 30 odd years of my association with it. And you've come across many other talents. I mean, you've mentioned on previous socials well, over now. Yeah, when I've come into contact band, with, yeah. Um, I mean, when we, when we were a jazz band, we used to play at the Cavern Club in Liverpool. Yeah. And we'd often have uh, a band of sort of young know, greasers, you know, called the Beatles. <laughs> so we knew them when they cracked it. Yeah. And uh, I think I was remembering the Beatles Christmas at the show in the, which is now the, the, the what's it called? It's used to be the Hammersmith Odeon. Oh, uh, yeah. Apollo, is it? It's the Apollo now, yeah. 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 We, we did uh, their Christmas show there and I did an album for Paul McCartney and things like that. It's just a hands on for them, you know. So, so you worked on an album for Paul McCartney? Yeah, he was there. Hmm. And we did thing for Mary. Mary Hopkins and he produced that film. Yeah. Um, Which album was that then? Do you well, remember? Well, I don't know. That's one of the earlier things, was it? Before, no, before no, that, that was in yeah. probably 1968 yeah. when they, they were branching yeah. out doing their own, own yeah. thing. But uh, so so we bump into them all the time, you know, in, in various places. And because we've known them since they were kids, you know, they, they were really lovely. John Lennon, I mean, even the guitar players would be sitting in a corner for hours talking about this, that, and the other, you know, it was great thing. Brilliant. And uh, I mean, so, to picture the scene, so you were playing the Cabin Club as one of the main sort of a. Well, well in those days, you know, you go. Regular you'd go rounds, and, I guess you could. We used to work six to seven nights a, a week, you know, yeah. all over the country. Yeah. And, uh, they, I mean, I used to probably say I'll take you in the melody maker and people say, how do you do all that? And you think, well, it's just like getting off of work, you know. Yeah, just travel about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I so, don't know any different, you know. So, back so, when you didn't get your gigs, you, you were lost, you did not want to do with it. So. Yeah, yeah. So you, you'd be there regularly, was like once every couple of weeks or something, you'd be there with it, roughly the cabin club? Oh, no, no, but, um, I mean, frequently. yeah, it's yeah. a big country, and we did, you know, we go, yeah. so you go to Scotland over. and do, right. do, do the big cities, and, uh, yeah. and lovely lots of rural work as well, you yeah. know, yeah. and basically never, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, that in some ways, is the, part of the well, nicest bit of it, isn't it? Well, I saw Britain, yeah. um, 
not through the eyes of a tourist, you know, but uh, yeah. just a working guy, you know, going around. And it was marvelous. You know, you go to places where you really love and you place, oh no, I'm going to And I suppose people didn't get around that, that, that much, that far afield within the country, did they, I well, suppose? They no, I mean, Typical. people were starting to get cars. I mean, it was still pretty low. But uh, yeah. you never travelled yeah. great distances. And, uh, you know, in those... Uh, even the smaller towns had their own a sort of entertainment set up going on. They'd yeah. have a theatre, they'd have a club, you know, and whatever. And all the bands used to do the same thing, you know, yeah. tour around. That was any work. There wasn't anything like discos in those days. It's a bit on normal live music in places, you know. Yeah, I see, yeah, because the tradition was just all the, the live music. So, so just to picture the scene, so you were doing uh, all these grand venues, and you mentioned to me before the Cavern Club, and you said that the Beatles were actually the interval acts. Yeah, uh, between well, that's how they started out, <laughs> you know. So, so, uh, yeah. so they technically supported you. Oh, well, they did, right? <laughs> Which is an amazing claim to fame, I have to say. Well, you know, I mean, it was like... Yeah. Crap house, really. It was exactly the nicest place. In yeah. fact, they built another one and I did to get to it. There we are. It is a famous place. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I suppose it's probably not that surprising in that industry. You've all come across all the all of the big names. Well, and it's just... I mean, I, I used to do a lot of backing work for artists, you know. Yeah. For years, I, when Gene Pitney was in this country, he got my band. Gene Pitney, yeah. yeah. And uh, I got to a lot of American soul artists. Yeah. Solomon Burke, um, uh, Lee Dorsey. And we, my biggest disappointment was we were supporting uh, Aretha Franklin, which was just my band was on the act uh, as a start-up thing, and then yeah. she'd come on and do the show. And she came over with an American band, a 15-piece orchestra, right? Mm. And uh, it must have been somebody had gone down the local branch of the Museum Systems Union and books 15 guys, because oh. when they got to London, they were terrible. And she came up and begged us to with that she said I love your band I must have I said we'd love to do it but we'd fall foul of the union yeah, and, yes, uh, yeah. and I said and she, I said don't worry it'll be alright the manager was there with her anyway I, when the when the boys were sang I said we couldn't do it we couldn't do it you know anyway in all, all fairness the band did get it together in the end, but it took a long time. Yeah. A small day, you know. Yeah, yeah. But they did, they did do sterling job in the end, but uh, oh, they did lots of done yeah. that. Uh -huh. Those, I mean, yeah. the ones you mentioned, you did work with Solomon Burke, Lee yeah. Dorsey. Great, I love soul music, yeah. it's great. Oh, well, he was tremendous. Those I mean, guys. that old quiet man just sit in the corner yeah. and get up and do all that. <laughs> Holy cow. Really. And the other one I must mention is, is James Brown. Oh. Because he was my favourite. When I first got into that scene, I got a whole pile of records, and the band was just superb, and this guy had given it roasting, you know. And they came over and we got the job of supporting them. And um, we play our little set, you know. And we were a pretty good band, you know. We, we, I won't 
but he got, had a record was just probably English. Anyway, they came out and the four brothers, they got no money, nothing. They'd come from the valleys and we were in Plymouth. So it's probably about 40 miles across from here, all the way up to Lydney and come all the way back down to the... And they were all brassic lint. They'd got no money whatsoever. So we, I lent them a fiver to go and get fish and chips. And I became a nightmare. <laughs> 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 uh, I mean, throughout the tour, you know, the yeah. record went up to number one, and uh, yeah. it was away. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, good luck getting a, f- a fiver's worth of fish and chips, even just for yourself nowadays, oh, all over a whole band. I was about one and nine pence of things, so they had enough to yeah. get a gallon of pence or drive a well, there, there he is, you know, we toured with him again, and he had a good band out with him then, but he never forgot that, because I went to see Tina Turner for the gig, and suddenly a bottle of the, best, the BSOP brandy label in my lap, and uh, he said, Mr. Jones, you're there, and he said, I've got this today. <laughs> <laughs> That's about five years later. It's good he's not forgotten, though. For, yeah. I think people appreciate that, don't they? Yeah. Um, before we wrap up on the music side and get your opinions on Spurs, a couple of the very quick ones about um, music as well. You also told me you've had a couple of people who were potentially trying out for your band, um, didn't didn't work out, but they turned out to be rather famous names. Well, yeah, uh, I suppose Elton John must be the uh, most. No, I, I, I keyboard player had got the job with the Animals and. Um, one of the animals guy uh, didn't couldn't like flying and they oh, yeah. were going to America so Dave got the job with them so I was looking for a keyboard player and uh, I got all these you know there's a young kid called uh, Reg Dwight uh, he'll meet you at uh, Wood Green Tube Station <laughs> oh yeah alright so I go to the car and there's nobody there you know, sort of tubby bloke with a sort of a pair of with trousers in a ginger sports. Copy him. Yeah. <laughs> Went round the block. We did it three times. The only guy that was standing there was him. So I thought, are you Reg? Yeah. Oh, you better get in then. So, you know, so I took him. And uh, in all fairness, he was really nice. I didn't ask him to sing because I wasn't... wasn't no, you were looking for this keyboard. Yeah. He, was, he was playing yeah. the right thing. <clears throat> and... Not known to me at the time, but our agent had already booked another guy called Steve Gray, who um, was with Eric Delaney's band at the time, and that pulled it up. And Steve said, yeah, I'll join the band. So I had to tell, you know, he came on that night. I said, look, Rich, I'm sorry, but he said, I haven't got any control ever. I said, well, no. I said, because my agent has already booked somebody without me knowing. He said, who's that? He said, I said, Steve Ray, said, oh yeah, he's a good player, isn't he? Yeah. I said, well, I don't know, I've heard him yet. <laughs> anyway, he went on to be a part of Sky, you know, which were a massive band, but he, he, was, he transformed my band, really, yeah. because he could sit in the back of the bus. And then I said, so we want to play so-and-so. And I said, you've got any horn parts? No, he's just right out of the way to it. And he used to do that for the... the, the, the um, there was a big band program on a Monday night on, on radio and uh, Barry Fulby and the whatever it is band yeah. arrangement by Steve Gray and he used to sit in the back and how he did it just had the knowledge of yeah. he knew where all the notes were without you know, and he just write four trumpets five saxophones four trombones drums piano bass and guitar yeah. 
What a talent. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, he was with me for 18 months. He was a lovely guy. Yeah. And he, went, he went off, he was doing things like Friday night is music night. Oh, yeah. 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 He tells some very funny stories about that. There's a guy called John Hanson, who used to be known as the, the Desert. Anyway, he was well known in the 20s and 30s. Yeah, and he, he, he was singing the song Do Re Mi, you know, from the whatever it is. Um, yeah, all of the um, sound music or something. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. And right at the end, you go. Yeah, that's brilliant. He died, I was sharing my mate for a few years on, because uh, we had a guy in the band who knew, knew him very well, you know. Yes. And so was, um, I was playing a band called the Great British Dad Band, it was a 12 piece band playing. It was a good band, I loved it, you know, all the top guys and all winners and all that. I was the only one that never won anything. I was a lead public, so they, yeah. they wanted me in there because I knew the numbers and everything. Yeah. And um, uh, he came along and, and it was great because we, we, we hadn't seen each other 15, 20 years you know, with his wife and me and my going to the wedding. And, and um, <coughs> he said, look, come down, you know, he've got this place down in, uh, in Somerset. Um, and one of the I've got to probably ask you about as well. You mentioned when well, we've chatted before about Joe Cocker. Oh yeah. <laughs> what happened there? Well, <laughs> it's a similar thing. This, you know, Elton, he turned Elton up. Johnson. Well, Reg White. Sorry, yeah. again. Isn't well, Joe turned up, and I'd already got a singer. You mm. know, yeah. um, and Joe turned up. He came all the way down from Sheffield. And uh, later, I was touring with him. You know, he was touring the bill. We were doing these package shows. And uh, he's a great, he comes up to you, but, you know, he says, I said, well, if I'd have thought about it, I'd have given you a fair break. <laughs> he said, well, you don't have to worry about that now, do you? <laughs> That's right, yeah. No, well, that boy, he wouldn't He was a lovely guy. So the final subject, really, bringing it back to football. Yeah. And it's been fascinating chatting about the music. We've got to get back to the depressing subject of football. Neither of us are particularly happy at the moment, relatively. Yeah. Um, you guys not quite getting it together. You'll hit and miss, aren't you? Oh, well, there's uh, a lovely word that's come into the English language, is Spursy. Yes. And I can't think of a better name for what happens down there. I really can't understand it. They uh, just never, they always stutter, don't they? Well, just when you think something's happening. They have light in a couple of places, you know, yeah. in, in the team. Yeah. I mean, and what's amazed me more than anything else is that Ericsson has come back. I'd have thought Tottenham would have opened the door for him, you know. Yeah. And he's gone to bed. Now he's doing marvellous down there. Yeah. He's played. He's made the last. They won the last two games thanks to him, you know. Yeah. And that guy can see a pass. We haven't got anybody apart from our centre forward who can pass properly. <laughs> I just what's their first player, and it's so hit and miss. Mm. When it's when it's on form, it's great. But half the time, they don't see the. the, the I don't know what it is. It's the speed that they pass a ball at. To me, it's far too slow. 
gets, uh, gets people to get in the position as quickly. That sounds ominously familiar, what you've just said. (laughs) That's what we have a problem with. Well, I don't think you did, because I saw a a right and free Tottenham earlier in the cup this year, and they walked all over us after we scored the first goal. I thought, right, that's the way we should be playing. Fast attacking, short passing, and they just dazzle the other side. You know, what happens to us? I think the other team have the ball far too long. And by the time we get it, we're all going to work On our day, we are as you've described us, but uh, for us it's becoming inconsistent. We've not been doing enough of it recently. We're on a terrible run of four, we've now gone onto a new record of five successive defeats, which is a record in our Premier League uh, era. I'm not sure about the, f- the four years we had in the past, but this Premier League era, you know, when, when Stats began in 1992, <laughs> um, we've... we've um, We've, the first time we lost five in a row and there's an excellent chance it could go to six on Wednesday but um, it does depend which, ter- which and Spurs team turn up and it also depends which Brian team turn up it's impossible to predict this one um, but yeah it must be frustrating for you because you're a club of a certain size who quite simply has to aspire to win trophies that, that is the well the other thing is that over the last couple of years they've really not gone for the players that they should be going for yeah. You know, I, I blame it solely on Levy. I just think he's, he's too business minded. He's got to be more football minded. If they say that's the price they want for a player and the team want it, they should pay it. Yeah. And not start, you know, well, you, you, that time squabbling over 25 million yeah. when you've got, you know, you could have bought the guy, got the best out of him and sold him on for more if, if necessary. That's the thing, if it's a good yeah. investment, you, it, it's big money, but you, yeah. you can ma- earn money anyway if you need to, yeah. by selling for a profit, that's what we're trying to do, and, and all on scale of course. But Diaz, the fellow who um, was dazzling for Liverpool on Saturday against us, yeah, I think you were in for him for example, weren't you? Yeah, that's right, but they, they've turned up with the, the, uh, the money, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know he's, he's going to be an absolute... Oh, Giant, Already you know. looks brilliant, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah just yeah. about you can see the lovely little touches, and he just chucks the defenders on, on the wrong foot all the time. Yeah. When yeah. I mean, you got some guys like, uh, well, we've got to go and play Liverpool, like to Anfield, yeah. yeah. But we held them to a good draw, and I think we should have won that Tottenham yeah. when we played them early in the season. We seem to turn it on. I don't know how we never won that game on Saturday. We bought, you know, the rectors goal. And it was, it, the difference in the teams was, you know, every time we play, we scores a goal. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, this was the 3-2 defeat of Man U, wasn't it? Um, Kane scored again. Um, one thing, I think, if, if you guys shine on Wednesday, it'll be the combo of Kane and Son would have to be at top top form. That's gone on to a record number, isn't it? 37 yeah. combined yeah. Uh, goal. Well, we've been playing together for seven years now, yeah. so it's quite a Should have had an long time to get it together, yeah. you yeah. know, but they do know each other, others going. And uh, I've noticed, I think, Sonny's slowing up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. He gets kicked a lot, so I suppose he's not, but he's still a, a, a you know, a fine player. But, I mean, he's not a, a workhorse, you know, he's, uh, he's our sort of... Stallion out there, not a stallion, you know, a stallion or whatever it is out the front. <laughs> nice and on his own, keeping, he can, finds a bit of space, he'll use it, you know. Yeah, no, yeah. A, yeah I mean. A lovely player, I like watching him play. Mm. 
Yeah, he's a good player, I and mean, it has been a brilliant combination. And Kane, in particular, I know there's been a lot of animosity because he's wanted to, um, you know, he wanted to move on. Now he's stuck with it. He's finally got back into some kind of scoring form. He scored the penalty, didn't he, at the weekend? Which he's moving past the other big famous scoring names, isn't he? He's gone past Henri. I think he's up with Lampard now, closing in on um, Aguero, and then probably Andy Coley could get either this season or next season. But um, after that, I think. Um, after that, I think he's, it's going to be hard to catch the other two, which is Rudy and Shearer. But, um, you know. Yeah, Shearer is a long way ahead. Yeah. A, a hell of a player, though. Uh, amazing player. But what's your thoughts on him and what's your thoughts on how the season, this season needs to finish for you to be satisfied? Uh, well, I don't think I'm going to make top four. No. I'd like to see him get in the top six, at least uh, European football. But I would think that Conte will go at the end of the season. Mm. You know, I think. He's, he's done a great good, a lot of deal with some players that should never be there. Mm. I, you know, I hate to say this, but there's about three defenders that I just don't know how they, get, they, they brought them in the first place. Yeah. I thought defenders learned to defend. Yeah. You know, and, uh, oh, well. Every time we've had a good Tottenham team, we've had a good centre half and a good centre forward. Yeah. Maurice Norman for years. Harry Clark years and years ago and uh, you know just with Martin Chivers yeah, every time we, we, you know really Bobby Smith and uh, it's, every time we've ended up with a really good centre forward you know we've, we've done well yeah. and uh, unfortunately it looks like we're not going to do it this time no, oh well. Well, I've, I've got, I think I've got the idea of what you think about Brighton because you've already said you like the quick, short pass, snappy well, football. I, when I saw Brighton in, on TV, I've seen quite a few of the games, and I, they, they do play exciting football. Yeah. I mean, it's much more exciting than Tottenham style of Well, I'm, you know, they're changing that gradually. But they're still, for me, if you look at a team like Liverpool, the way they play. Um, which I find more interesting than Manchester City because I think Manchester City they're like hypnotists yes. I think yeah. they're just hypnotising you to stand there and that's what we're going because they never, you never see the ball that's a really good way of putting it actually <laughs> you might read a book while you're out there you know but so uh, Liverpool is just lovely flowing football and, and, and it, it's just a pleasure to watch yeah. it reminds me of, of the yeah, yeah, well, I mean, if we can get more consistency and if we can carry on building what we've done, hopefully we've got a, a good future playing good football coming up. In the meantime, we're desperate for a win, so if you don't mind, we'll, we'll have the three points well, on Wednesday. Having seen <laughs> Spurs being very Spursy, I think you've got every chance of doing something. And it's on that classic note, the Spursiness, that we'll probably round it off. Mike, yeah. I could talk to you all day about this, but we'd probably better hit the stop button at this all stage, right. or we'll be all day. But um, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting about your past and about your thoughts on Spurs. Let's see what happens on Wednesday, I guess. We're both praying, aren't we? Absolutely. <laughs> Cheers, Mike. Bye-bye. 
So thank you very much to my good mate from upstairs, my neighbour, Mike Cotton, who gave us his views on the game coming up, but also telling us about his musical background and also his Tottenham supporting history. Great to hear from him. Um, we now move to the game, of course. Let's see how it, how it all unfolds as I make my way down to the Amex for the game on Wednesday. Fingers crossed for a very overdue win. We've got a good record against Spurs, of course. I think it's two draws and a win in the last three games. I think that's right. Um, and we are certainly overdue a win in general this season after a run of five straight defeats. A record for the Premier League era and our good run against Liverpool of having not lost in the last three coming to an end last time out. So we turn our attentions to the Amex 7.30 kickoff on Wednesday evening. It's the Albion versus Spurs. Fingers crossed. Stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.